Today, we're picking up where we left off with our conversation with Jeff Houston. To hear the first half of this conversation, listen to the previous episode. Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. So, so before before you go there, Jeff, I want to point something out that you might that you may or may not remember. But around about the same time, there was a proposal for OSPF, and I don't. I'm I'm not going to tell you who the who the author of the proposal was, but there was a proposal for OSPF that worked exactly the same way as SPGP, but for OSPF, in which you signed the LSA. And by validating the protocol operation, you are validating the path of the, 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 the shortest path tree, which is a complete disconnect from reality. Well, you know, the beauty about the LSA and OSPF, and we're heading sideways, is that's a piece of information that gets propagated in its entirety. Right. So you can sign it. And if you're running an interior network where you don't trust yourself, which is kind of paranoia grade 11, uh, but if you do that, then, yes, yeah, signing LSAs makes a huge amount of sense because, you know, if you just don't trust your previous and future self, sign the thing so that you know what to trust. But in the interdomain routing space, interdomain OSPF was always going to be difficult because flooding that kind of topology information, LSAs, was just not a tractable solution. It didn't scale. So SOBGP was a wonderful solution, but it wasn't universally regarded that way. And while the initial sessions at the IETF attracted roomfuls of people, don't forget the time, you know, there were a lot of folk interested in this and it was very, very popular. It also attracted a powerful debate. So powerful that it rip, was ripping that part of the, the IETF apart. And so the IETF, when it faces these kinds of problems, reacts in a very typical fashion, run away. And, and the way you run away is to go, wow, they're both solving different problems. Let's talk about requirements. How do we talk about requirements? Let's stop all this work, oh God, and spin up a new working group called the Routing Security Requirements Working Group. And let's stop all the conversations about trying to solve the problem. And let's now talk about the problem we're trying to solve. I suspect that this is an old computer science adage that every problem can be solved with another layer of indirection. And so by adding indirection to this, I think, fundamental debate, and I think really fundamental about tractability and what are you trying to solve, RPSEC just diverted the effort and diffused the situation into around five years of complete and total stasis, right? And it just got frustrating. Now, there were a bunch of other researchers doing all kinds of wacko things. You might remember interdomain route validation, uh, that was the idea of a pseudo-DNS-like protocol, which took the idea of there was PGBGP, pretty good BGP, which worked on statistics and the wisdom of crowds. If everyone said I was good, I'm good. If everyone says, you know, I'm bad, then I'm, I'm bad, even if I'm good, you know. The whole idea that, that security is some kind of weighting function, yick. Attacking the whole sign over sign over sign in SBGP with various forms of clever approaches of signature amortization, 
We can make SBGP work on an Intel Z80. Truly, you know, truly, really. Just, just look at this. Sorry, Zilog. But yeah, look at this, how cheap I can make signing. And, and this was all rubbish, right? Uh, rubbish because it really didn't attack the fundamental problem that, you know, it was trying to do too much in one particular approach. And so we had things around trying to detect hijacking, trying to exploit path stability. Oddly enough, in all this update activity, BGP never really changes. Most of the messages, the update messages, it just repeats. Can we exploit this? Okay. So all of that and all of that crafting created, let's talk about requirements. And the first requirement was pretty easy. Origination. The originating AS needs to have the authority of the prefix owner, and we have to do something about that. But the second one was, how do we protect the AS path? And the answer was, there was none. And <laughs> there were long debates, um, and, and we could never come to an agreement where the path plausibility, this is good enough because if the lie is indistinguishable from the truth, who cares? If I'm driving my car to work, if I get to work, it's still me and it's still my car and I still got to work. The route I took is actually less important. If I got to someone else's work, that's a problem, right? And so plausibility kind of restricted the lies you could tell and made it harder for an attacker to actually create a false path that meant something that BGP couldn't have selected automatically anyway. And the security purists said no. The pragmatists said yes. No, yes, no, yes. I remember this point when we were at setting, when we were having a discussion over this, a heated discussion in the BGP SEC group, and someone came to the mic and said, well, access lists aren't even really security because they're not verifiable. And because they're not complete security, you have to have 100% security if you're going to call something secure. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, These people go to IETF meetings. These people actually <laughs> say these thoughts out loud. You know, th th this, is, this is what we're dealing with here. And, and the purest model is actually quite difficult in a real world. All of us do trade-offs. And indeed, this whole area of activity is a gigantic trade-off of making an affordable solution that works well enough that the cost to the attacker makes the, the attack either infeasible or remote, you know, and that's good enough for most of us. We just want to get on with our lives. Our work is not having a PhD in routing security. And so this debate flowed on and on and on, and the pressure built to get back to work. Now, at the same time, might I mention that the router vendors were getting a bit sick of BGP. And I'm saying this to folk who have worked in this space. And I well remember one product BGP product manager coming to me saying, uh, could you defer this exhaustion of the two-byte AS number pool? Um, I don't have budget this year to actually deploy a working solution for four byte ASs, but you know I'll be there next year. I promise. So if you just stave off exhaustion for a year, we'll all be happy. Can you do that, please? And it's kind of, what are you telling me? <laughs> and and it was certainly a time when no matter what the problem, the answer was BGP, and the answer was yet another change to the BGP protocol. And the router vendors were sitting there going, "No customer pays me more money." It doesn't make them spend more money. 
I'm still getting the same income for this BGP part of my product, but you're telling me to, to keep on employing an army of expensive people to maintain a, what is increasingly complex piece of software just to track IETF RFCs? I might really get serious. We're not going to do this anymore. And that pushback, quiet, but nevertheless there, actually influenced the next round of work. Because as the proto working group chair at the time, I was told in no uncertain terms, A, only take the stuff that RPSEC has agreed on. Don't do anything gratuitous. B, and this is the big one, don't change BGP. Now, I believe that advice was again, in the scale that SOBGP did an amazing cut through, that advice was possibly the world's worst advice in the history of routing protocols for at least 10 years, possibly longer. Have I made my <laughs> point? Um, <laughs> it actually hobbled the resultant solution set to a point where it is fatally bad. So let's, let's talk about what we did and talk about what it meant not to be able to change BGP. Because there was another group of work that was going on in parallel to the routing work, which was the work in the address registries, because we were all sick and tired of who is. Who isn't tired of who is? Because it's one of those protocols that has no security. If you ask the right IP address the question, you'll always get the right answer. What? Seriously, that's all who is is. It's a bunch of ASCII lies. Why is that? Well, the information back at the original server might be perfectly fine, but how you got there and how you got the answer back, eh, it's the internet. Eh, anything is possible. Why do you believe this mess? And the answer is you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Why would you place the security of your routing system on lies in who is? And the answer is, well, that's a really bad idea. And, and so we'd also stumbled across the world of digital signatures. And at the time, DNSSEC was just coming to light. And it was kind of, we can do things here in, in the WHOIS registry. And so we looked very, very hard at DNSSEC because, quite frankly, X509 certificates is, you know, the mark of, of some kind of evil presence. It's a lot of craft. And it's not even, I'm not even sure that it was ever good for purpose. And the web PKI you know, is a tissue of, of some vague degree of plausibility <laughs> nestled across a sea of lies, deception <laughs> and, and venal activities that just beggar belief. And quite frankly, certificate transparency is a myth. Um, so why should we make routing security built on the same edifice of rubbish that the WebPKI is built on? So we looked hard at DNS second thought, can we make it work like that? And the answer is you can't. Because while the DNS name structure has intrinsic structure, a.b.c.b, IP addresses don't have any structure. 10.1.2.3 says no relationship between the parties in that dotted thing. That's just nomenclature. And so we needed X509 because we needed to impose a structure where none existed. And so we were busy trying in the RIR community to develop a PKI where if we gave you an IP address, gave, allocated, whatever you, your verb you want to use, and you, because we know it's you, you're paying the bills, you're you, you gave back a public key, we would publish a certificate that mapped that address to that public key. 
You could sign anything with your private key, anything. And anyone could come to our registry and collect that relationship in a certificate signed by us, the registry. You didn't even need to come to us anymore because as long as you had a PKI trust model that was robust, you could pick this stuff up from anywhere, even a gutter outside on the street. Because if you validate it, it's true, it's timely, it's current. We thought this was great because it actually could clean up who is. And, and the one place where it hasn't been deployed is who is 20 <laughs> years later. Yeah, right. But where it did get almost automatically sucked up is this problem over in routing, where the first part of the problem that we could agree it was a problem. How did the prefix owner give that AS the authority? to actually originate a route, it's kind of, wow, we're the thing that you've been looking for, oh, routing people. We're the people who can set up a PKI that is populated with IP addresses that has public keys of those IP address holders, and they can go and sign whatever they want, including such a permission, and the routing system can go and collect those permissions, validate them, and then everyone knows that when AS1 originates a route to, you know, 10.0.0.1, they can pick up an attestation from anywhere, anywhere, that says, yeah, the owner of 10.0.0.1 said that's cool. And so this sort of worked. But as anyone who's looked at the X509 certificate system would appreciate within about a microsecond, is that that's all it does that, well, Everything else is done not just horribly, not just badly. It's done by a bunch of five-year-olds on some kind of psychotropic drug. <laughs> this whole business of certificate signing requests had to be, you know, invented by someone who hated anyone using it. The whole issue of how do you distribute the signed products, eh, not our problem. What do you mean? Not our problem. So, so how are we meant to send this everywhere? I'm sorry, that's not a question I'm willing to answer or even understand. Go away. And, you know, I love security people, love them to death. Horrible people. Um, and we were kind of left with a solution that, you know, the theory was great, but the practicality was missing. Because let's go back to that first conversation. What do I need from routing security? I need to flood credentials everywhere. Everywhere, every BGP speaker needs to know everything. So not just I need to hand you this certificate for this session, that's okay, ignore the rest of the universe of certificates. In BGP, you need every certificate all of the time. I need to reliably flood information. Can I make it more clear? I need to dynamically reliably flood information in a way that takes into account the reachability of the internet. Now, if that isn't a design specification for BGP, you know, you're asleep. And oddly enough, we have no other protocol that does this, nothing. And so if we actually needed to move these credentials around, we should have borrowed the second page from the SOBGP book. And the second page that very few people got to was, let's flood these policy certs in a BGP update message. Or let's not call it an update. Let's just call it another BGP message and let's use the awesome, and indeed it's awesome power of BGP to reliably flood this data. But we weren't allowed to change BGP. 
had solved you know, the recursive problem. We don't depend on someone else to get to the registry, to the database, to the nothing. We just get it in line. We, we thought that was you know, the way to go because we're trying to solve security in this protocol. We need to solve it with the protocol. Was, well, was Alvaro, some of the things we were thinking. Your predecessor routing ABs on the IESG at that time were not listening. <laughs> and they said, don't change VGP. Don't use the only <laughs> protocol that's actually fit for purpose. And it's kind of, wow. So in the design team, um, George Michelson, uh, Rob Osteen, Randy Bush and myself, we came up with a protocol called RSync, which was being used at the, the time a lot. And, and there was actually a really good presentation a few years later by George Michelson and ITF that actually said, RSync is more horrible than you thought. And yes, that's a recursive algorithm, but it's true on every iteration. You know, it is wildly bad, doesn't scale. It's just horrible. But we had almost no other choice. We had a problem that only BGP could solve and couldn't let BGP solve it. And so we've spent the last 10 years playing around with a certificate distribution protocol, um, RRDP, this, that, manifest, blah, 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 blah inventing this Tower of Babel that mimics BGP about as badly as it's possible because some of those mind-altering substances that were being used by the X509 distribution folk leaked over into our world. <laughs> because and, it's and a these solutions, <laughs> it, well, well, right, but, you know, bad solutions proliferate. And, and we've spent so much of good people's time trying to make the implausibly awful work while the only solution that's sitting there in the room staring at us in the face was declared off limits. And, and so the first problem in today's world with rowers, route origination attestations, and the distribution is because we can't use BGP, this stuff works really badly. So I publish my products in my repository. And every time I change it, I just publish it. I don't tell anyone, I just publish it. So everyone who uses this system has to do a demand pull. They have to swoop past my repository, drive past my house to see if anything's changed in the front garden. Now, how often do they have to drive by? Once a year? Well, no. Once a day? Well, no. As fast as BGP. And then no one is in sync with anyone else because we all do it at different times. I go in the morning, Rose goes in the afternoon. In the afternoon. And, 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 and how many folk are driving past my house? Well, how many ASs are there? Oh, about 100,000. So everyone who publishes stuff is going to get 100,000 visitors every second. And you said we didn't need supercomputers for this. I'm like, what have we built? And, and so then the answer was, let's not have everyone publishing all over the place Let's all use centralized repositories. Let's build black hole crash points. And it's kind of, wow. Let's, so you're let's substituting build, let's build one DNS problem for another. Over again. And right. And it's kind of, we've been here before and we're still not learning. Um, and, and, you know, this is, this is one of the major operational problems, the design of the system we built, that being unable to use BGP. Oh, and by the way, during that period, the BGP message size got uh, driven upwards to 65 kilobytes. And so, oh, it's too big, it won't fit in a BGP message. It's kind of, no, that's not the problem. That really isn't a problem anymore. 
And so, you know, with 2020 hindsight, and even today, we should get rid of this crap and just put it all in BGP because that's what BGP does. Well, this is what I was just going to ask, because clearly the attitude of don't change BGP has gone out the window at this point. And so what do you think it would take to drive that back into the protocol itself? What, what would have to change? Let, let's, just, let's just go through the next set of problems. Now BGP has become the trash can of the internet. We change it for everything. <laughs> no, but let's just talk about what you just said, because th- there's a fair deal of sociology going in here when you talk about let's just change things again. But I- I'm not, I'm not going to go there for a little while. So, dear listeners and everyone else, just, just wait, right? Because it's a key question, but the answer is is not heartening. And, and so the next problem was that RPSEC, which was meant to give us the specification of protecting the path, died in in a train wreck of unpublished drafts. Bitter, bitter recriminations, um, and and just it couldn't get anywhere. The meetings were just boringly repetitious, and just recited the same old problem again and again and again. And the problems are simple: the AS path is not the forwarding path, and should never be so. Protecting the AS path, you're not even actually sure what you're going to protect here because it's not the forwarding path, and it can be lied very, very easily. The purists were going, "That's all we have, so we need to protect it." The pragmatists are going, that's a huge amount of effort for no payback. Don't go there. So this quietly slumbered and actually got buried, got buried. And we started talking about how to protect leaks. And people started talking about topology relationships and provider customer and so on. And then a bunch of folk, Alexander Asimov, came up with a thing called the AS Provider Association. And when it was quietly pointed out to him that he'd just reinvented one of the key aspects of SOBGP, he was surprised. He'd never seen it, never heard of it, and never realised he'd stumbled across exactly the same almost topology problem, that if you just maintained a topology, you actually go a long way forward in trying to limit the way folk can lie. Why is this important? Because if I protect origination, and that's all I protect, I can hijack your addresses in about all as long as it takes to type a false AS path into my router. Because I can put anything I like into the AS path as long as I preserve your origin AS. Wow. This is like wearing a suit of wet lettuce leaves and calling it defensive armour. You know, it's rubbish. And and all the various efforts to try and conceal the fact that this is just lettuce leaves, um, including peer lock, were just bad hacks. They never really were a practical defence against a determined attacker that simply said, I just take your origin AS along with my lies. I'm home. And so, yeah, it's a problem that needs solving. RPSEC was never going to solve it now. And so along comes this second solution, which is actually a replay of SOBGP. It has one thing that SOBGP did not dare to talk about. We have this assumption in the internet which is probably not a good assumption, that no one is deliberately stupid. <laughs> and, and, you know, we talked about a customer re-advertising provider routes from one provider to another. That's being deliberately stupid. And, and if, if you effectively just simply say, look, these are my providers. AS1 and AS2 are my providers. If you have a path that says AS1, Jeff, AS2, Jeff's being an idiot. He's taken a route that he learned from one provider, AS1, 
and re-advertise it to another, AS2. Bad boy, Jeff. Don't go there. How can everyone else tell that Jeff's being an idiot? Well, he could listen to this podcast. That's fine. But another way of trying to tell this is if I not only tell you whom I'm adjacent to, but who my providers are of those adjacencies, anyone can spot the time when I leak. And let's go one step further. Instead of doing true symmetry, let's just talk about my providers. Because SOBGP was actually overkill. It said that for an adjacency to work, A has to sign B, B has to sign A. So when A and B are adjacent, A has one and A has two, they both have to sign such a certification to prevent one-way lines. But in this policy proposal, it's just you just sign your providers. Sure, you can lie about who your providers are, but it's not a dangerous lie and it actually only affects you. You're the problem. You don't talk about your customers. Seems to match the sort of mentality out there in BGP and oddly enough is quite plausible. How do we distribute this stuff? Refer to previous conversation. It's a mess, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it, it seems to work. Does it use partial deployment? Yeah. Because now I can sign my neighbours you or my providers. You don't have to. They can lie about you more easily than about me because I've signed who my providers are. Do I need to change BGP? Well, oddly enough, not for this, because that check is actually done outside of the operation of BGP, the protocol. So what's the problem? In your words, Tom, why don't we just do this? Sigh. Cider was in one of those desperate races to be over. Um, like our PSEC before it, it had gone down into a mess of personal recriminations, bitterness, deep, deep factions, because there was a huge amount of pressure placed by DHS money to come up with solutions in a very short time frame. And some folk felt... With, with unrealistic we expectations, to be honest. To totally. But some folk were being paid by DHS to produce the spec. And other folk were sitting there going, I don't think we understand what we're doing. But they're getting in the way of the first group and money, right? And it was sort of always going to be difficult. And so BGPSEC came out, hastily concocted, poorly thought out, really just a minor grammatical change to SBGP, adding the RPKI with all of the previous problems. No partial deployment, signing becomes a nightmare, any kind of BGP session reset, you say goodbye to your router for the next week. Everything was as bad as it always was, but a spec was produced. The box was ticked, the check got cut, money was made. And, and no one's deployed it in anger and no one ever will. But the working group had then reached, and this is getting down to Alvaro's time as routing AD, the working group had actually got to the end of its working life. Not that there wasn't things to do. This stuff was a hideous mess. But in some ways, the people had exhausted themselves. And if it got any further, there'd be knife fights at dawn over IETF breakfasts. And the IETF <laughs> did not like blood on the floor. It really did not. We're meant to be nice to each other. And so the other part of the problem, which oddly enough, the security folk looked at us with distaste, is that we were daring to solve the certificate distribution problem 
in a way that didn't correspond to their theology. And so they refused to help us. And so the CIDA working group was trying to solve, I think, quite a deep security problem of distribution of credentials badly, but was getting no help, no help whatsoever. And the working group had just run out of ideas, run out of option, run out of energy, run out of just about everything. And so winding it up and handing it to ops and saying, look, we've done what we can in protocol development, just fix up the operational issues, don't do protocol work, of this woefully complete, woefully inadequate, barely functional mechanism that doesn't stand a hope in hell of working for everyone. Oh, it's an operational issue. Now, for a routing AD, I have to give them kudos for throwing the dead cat over the cubicle wall. I'm like, you know, <laughs> great work, guys. Four paws, you know, piece of art. That's okay. Love your work. Love your work. But, you know, honestly, I can see the dilemma. There was no energy to get back to basics again. And when the ASPA came up, and it's still there, sitting in an operational working group, as basically a piece of protocol, there's almost no genetic ability in the ops area to understand what to do with it, because it actually requires some protocol understanding. And it's this mismatch, which we're just sitting here on the edge of this going, you know, it might not be the ultimate answer, but it's a sure hell of a long way better than where we are now. But the IETF just can't bring itself to reorganise the troops, to reorganise the effort, to infuse some oxygen back into the room, you know, to get rid of the old fights and let's have some new fights and actually make progress. And so, yeah, we got stalled again collectively, and, and I think it's sociology, because when you scratch the surface in a lot of these quite esoteric areas of activity, there's actually just a small cadre of folk. There's actually just a small bunch of people with, if you have the background, the skills, the expertise, and the interest to solve it that are contributing. And, and change in that space is so slow as new newbies get dragged through <laughs> the barbed wire course of, you know, <laughs> trying to actually understand the background to all of this and where we are now and why in order to make sort of productive contributions. It's a tough ask. You know, I've always thought, and, and when you started, you said that, you know, there were a bunch of errors and mistakes and bad execution from everyone, research and the ATF and, and a bunch of people. And, and I, I don't disagree with that. I think that, that you're right in the social aspect of this. There's always been... People have been interested in trying to solve a problem, but there's always been the people trying to solve the problem. In other words, you know, there's this saying, I don't know what the saying exactly is, but you know, the best laid plans never work because there's people. We have to execute them, right? And, and in this case, you know, there's there's all these incentives that are misaligned, not just for to go deploy something. Uh, that's the least of the problems if we actually had a, a good solution, but is the incentives to actually solve the right problems and to solve them in a way that benefit everyone. Just because it's not my idea, you know, it doesn't mean that, that it's a bad idea or just because it's not perfect security or just because it's you know, many, 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 many different things. And, and it falls down to, to that social aspect of, you know, I, I need to defend my research. I need to defend my uh, vendor because I, I work for an operator or, or for, a, for a manufacturer, or I need to uh, defend my operations because I'm I'm the operator of the network, and these have never aligned. 
into something that we can do. You know, you know as you said, this, uh, a bunch of the ASPA work is very similar to SOPGP. I mean, SOPGP has 20 years. Why didn't we do it 20 years ago? Well, because the stars didn't align 20 years ago. If they align now in something close to what we thought about 20 years ago, I'm happy. It, it took us still 20 years to get here, but you know, it's, it's similar, right? The reason why SOBGP failed was actually all the wrong reasons, because SOBGP did not have a resource PKI to back up authenticity. And it was always the biggest criticism at the time that it was the wisdom of crowds. Everyone else agreed that what you're saying is right, therefore it's right. It had to do that because there was nothing else around. And were those same people in that same office over that same week, you know, 10 years later when that PKI was around, you would have had the same mechanisms but built on a different foundation. And that would have been, I think, compelling because now we're sort of looking at exactly the same circumstances going, well, if we were allowed to change BGP, if we were allowed to exploit the fact that it's a reliable flooding protocol, if we were allowed to put topology attestations and origination attestations and flood them to everyone who wanted to hear it as a BGP attribute, then we're a long, long, long way down a path here that would actually stand a chance of working much better than what we have now. Because, like I said, what we have now is a bunch of compromises that fatally make this flawed. BGP sec's never going to work. That's easy. ASPA could work, but then you get back to how good is that credential distribution mechanism? And I'm busy charting the black hole that is the RPKI, if you will, rendezvous protocols and charting how often do people come and check my front lawn to see if anything's changed. Some folk are insane every second, right? Some folk every day. It's kind of what are the folk who are coming along checking every day doing with this data because it sure isn't current. But my problem is running a repository that at the moment I get a, a few thousand unique visitors coming around every second or so, sorry, every 10 seconds. What if it becomes 100,000? I'm toast. And the thing is, most of the time, I have to tell them nothing to see, move on. And so the demand pull model is rubbish. You actually need a push model. What is BGP and why is it successful? Let me go all the way back to basics and say, the reason why is it's a push model. I will never tell you again what you know because I told you and I believe you have a memory. I will only tell you what's different when you need to know it's different. So it's actually a just-in-time push model. Now, the problem with demand pull is thrashing, DNS. Has anything changed? Has anything changed? Has anything changed? Oh, sorry, has anything changed? And the more obsessive we get about performance and speed and so on, the more obsessive the pull. And so any internet protocol that relies on demand pull is doomed on scaling. It cannot and will not scale. It's the wrong model. So when you need to flood information, no matter what information you're flooding and there's routing or anything else, the more generic issue in protocol design is what scales is actually push. What scales is, I think you need to know right now that this has changed. You didn't need to know it before because it hadn't. And you need to know it now because it has. 
This is, by the way, an argument we had in mobile ad hoc networking as well between reactive and proactive protocols. And I walked away from that with a very bad taste in my mouth for reactive protocols that has persisted to this day and impacts every time somebody gives me any kind of reactive protocol and they say, oh, look, it'll do this and look, it'll cache. And I'm like, stop right there. <laughs> right. And, yes. and, you know, oddly enough, like I said, BGP had learned that. And fascinatingly, the DNS had not. It took them years to discover incremental updates in the DNS. And it's kind of, what was the problem? Oh, the secondaries were busy banging at the authoritatives. Why was that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You're a demand pool model. You knew it was a bad design. And it's kind of true. And, and we're, we're back there again, working on top of a really sensible flooding protocol, putting costs, a demand pool on RPKI design. And so it's kind of, we need to change this. And, and this gets back into the sociology issues, the issues of many of the folk who actually are trying to push this and fought their fights to exhaustion. As Russ said, the temptation to just walk out the room because, you know, I've had this discussion 20 times and I still haven't convinced you I am tired of this. <laughs> it's sort of overwhelming in a lot of these circles and, and that's why progress is so difficult and, and more so now because, you know, these seem to be good ideas, just we can't make them stick. And so, yes, what, what started as being a fun piece of technology is actually now a very tiresome set of people discussions, Alvaro, people discussions about trying to sort of promote a point of view and a perspective about relating the underlying design architecture of how to make scaling protocols actually scale, work with incremental deployment, provide enough security, but don't be obsessive compulsive, and do all that at affordable cost, you know, Whatever the spray supercomputers are, are of today, we can't afford them. Couldn't then, we can't now. This stuff has to work on commodity. And if we can do all that, you know, we've made this better. But, you know, I honestly feel at this point it's the personality and the people that are getting in our way of trying to get rid of people who are rusted onto solutions where, they've, you know, this is their job now and it's kind of, well, great, but let's try and do this better becomes the difficult problem. And, you know, I, I, will, I will imagine that some folk, <laughs> um, I won't name them, who are listening to this were putting their head in their hands saying, how dare you trash my favourite idea? This is my job. And it's kind of, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Well, maybe this is one of those things that it, it just requires a generation change before you can really before you can really get there. Yeah, right. It's quite okay to trash the internet with a completely insecure system that has as much trust as, oh, words fail me. Um, no trust whatsoever. <laughs> but it's okay to wait for another generational change because the internet will still be there and still be ready to fix. No. <laughs> I would actually argue that the stakes are higher than ever before. Yeah, because trust in the internet's going down. Yeah. We might have started this discussion about the way this industry differs from, say, the aviation industry and how the aviation industry learns from its mistakes because otherwise people won't fly anymore they will come hurtling down and it will all end up badly. The internet is no toy. The internet is nothing like that anymore. It's actually public safety. And when a ransomware attack takes out a major oil pipeline on the east coast of the US 
and causes tens of thousands of people to queue up for hours to get their petrol, don't tell me we're not talking about public safety anymore. And I could go further with hospitals, lives, etc. This is now the same as flying. We can't wait for another generation. We can't blithely say, oh, this, this web PKI stuff, certificate transparency is good enough. It'll, it'll be fine. Let's just wait for someone else to get a better idea. No time, no patience, no tolerance. If you know we want this to work today, you're in a world where the adversary has more money than you, has more state-based backing than you. More time. More determination than you. More time. More time than you. Better tools. Right. And and the defender is stuck with the defender's dilemma to defend everything. The attacker only needs to find one weak point. And these attackers are now harsh attackers. And so, no, Tom, we can't wait. But, (laughs) right, fine. But, right, where's the will and where's the impetus to actually cut through this stasis? And to actually say, enough, let's just go there. And you can sense my frustration in my voice, absolutely, because I think I share it with many others that, you know, this is too important to wait. And we should be looking deeper and harder. We shouldn't be grasping onto what's around saying, no, with enough paperclips and and glue, we can make this RRDP work properly. Yeah, right, you can't. We can make doing a distribution protocol outside of BGP work properly. No, you can't. We can do a lot better, but it's just that impetus to actually give it enough shove needs to be there, and and I suspect it's really a case time is running out. And and the problem is we saw it in the early days of BGP, we really did, that IDRIP, remember IDRP, was the successor protocol to BGP. It was going to solve everyone's problem. It didn't matter that BGP was a hack because we weren't going to live with it. You know, a bit like the internet being a research experiment, BGP was just an experiment. It didn't matter. Let me say right here, right now, there is no successor protocol to BGP. Nothing. You know, when you look beyond BGP, you're looking into the dark abyss of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There is, Which is is unfortunate because it's become the trash can of the internet. We throw everything at it. Which is very unfortunate. I could say the same about the DNS. You know, there's know. no successor there either. And, and, you know, understand that this criticality and this lack of alternatives, this is what we are stuck with. And so the impetus to make it better, to make it work, is obviously there. But equally, the timescale to do so is vanishingly short because we can't stuff this up anymore. People's lives depend on it. And you know in the same way that outage notices should be honest, really but, honest, brutally honest, because that's the only way we can avoid these mistakes. It's not a case of finding the guilty and punishing them. It's a case of understanding what went wrong. Complex systems. We need to be honest about making BGP better. We really, really need to push. So I would say to the routing ADs, oh, Alvaro, um, you're one. I would actually say... <laughs> It's time to try and reset this conversation and actually spin up the protocol rather than relying on the ops area ADs to pull out of the mess that your predecessors created for us. We actually need to do something. And if if I can advocate anything out of this podcast, it's a case of I don't think the IETF is stepping up to the plate right now. It's prevaricating and and basically lacking a certain degree of direction and organising the troops to actually 
confront these issues, be honest with what's going wrong, conduct the analyses, learn from them, and press on. And this massive blog post that, that I posted that actually looked at the history of securing BGP was one step along that way of my own modest contribution of trying to say, this is how and why it happened. It wasn't that we were dumb. We just incrementally built. But when we got pushed to build quickly near the final push, what we've got now is not enough. It doesn't work well. And these are the issues that I'm finding. And other folk can go through the same work and make their own conclusions. But to my mind, it's pretty obvious that there are some gems of absolute truth. Topology is not policy. Don't mix the two. We're not trying to secure the protocol. We're trying to give veracity and authenticity to forwarding decisions. Get the difference, right? And build on those fundamental ideas that we had that were good ideas. Don't just trash SOBGP. There are some great concepts. There were some interesting concepts around origin authentication and SBGP. Build on them and move forward. Because unless we do that, like I said, there's nothing beyond BGP, our problems are worse than we thought. And if you thought a three-day outage on an oil pipeline was kind of, yeah, right, over, let's move on, you haven't seen anything. You really, really haven't. Because when I do routing, I disturb the very fabric of the universe. And if anyone thinks that TLS will save your bacon, if anyone thinks that the tissue of lies that is the web PKI is good enough for prime time. You just haven't been paying attention. Out of the, you know, thousand or so folk who give you a certificate, and some of which, let's encrypt, do so because you're good at lying in the DNS. <laughs> Anything that you trust on the basis of TLS alone is an awesome leap of not just credibility, but there's a wonderful English word called credulity. And I love this word. Because it takes credibility to the point of being moronically stupid. And, you know, to my mind, relying on TLS as being the thing that saves you gets to the being overly credulous. It just isn't what we need, want, or should have. End of rant, eh? <laughs> I think that was awesome. I think we should um, wrap it up right there because I think that's pretty much what needed to be said. I think we're... That's that's what we need to do. We need to move on and get this problem solved. And, um, you know, it's not just on Alvaro, it's on the IETF, it's on the industry, it's on people to push and say, okay, this is a major problem. We need to solve this and we need to solve yes. it realistically. And we need to get out of the mode of it's got to be perfect before we can solve it. No, perfection is the enemy of the good. Do the good, go. Right, and, and you know, keep on moving here. What we've got now is not good enough. Press on. Keep going. Yeah. All right. So with that, we will wrap up. So Tom, where can people find you? I am. You can find me on LinkedIn, just uh, Tom Ammon and uh, Twitter at the same. All right. And Alvaro. I am uh, still at home. Have been here for the last <laughs> year and a half. Uh, you can probably find me here for the next few months still. Uh, uh, yes. Maybe until next year. <laughs> so LinkedIn, Twitter. Anything? Sure. Yeah. LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, okay. Yes. And Jeff Houston, who blogs at Potteroo. Is that how you say it? Potteroo? Potteroo, a Potteroo. small Australian marsupial. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's carnivorous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. 
And uh, you're also, they pick up your articles on AP Nick from time to time. And I think over at Ripe sometimes as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, AP Nick, because I work for AP Nick, uh, kind, they, they put some of my postings on my own net. But look, www.potteroo.net is me and all my various ramblings, including, as I said, extended diatribe on how we got to where we are with BGP security. You will find there your reading pleasure for those particularly bad insomniac nights in lockdown. <laughs> you really want to fall asleep, this will send you there. <laughs> well, thanks, yeah. And thanks for coming on The Hedge. And, uh, you know, if you ever have any other ideas, let us know. And uh, thanks for listening this time. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.